You're listening to Castle Rock First United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Castle Rock FUMC, you can go online at fumccr.org. Thank you, and have a good day. You know, they say that people attend church are, are healthier, and you know, one of the reasons, one of my thoughts for that is because all the standing up and sitting down, you're working those calories, you're working those muscles that help you be mobile and, and can live a long life. I'm not going to lie, it's a great thing. Uh, and trust me, as someone who has had two hip replacements, I feel you standing up and sitting down, trust me, but I recognize the health in it as well. We're in our uh, third week of looking at Paul's letter to the Church of Philippi. And, you know, one of the things I, I, I come to appreciate about this letter, but it also, Paul is irritating. <laughs> he's irritating because sometimes he's a little bit too much, and he could turn it down just a little bit. But in all honesty, he's a little bit too much to point us towards Jesus. And I say that with this in mind as we read today from uh, Philippians 3, uh, 4b through, and I'm actually going to read all the way to 16. Um, and so listen to these words. If anyone else has a reason to put their confidence in physical advantages, I have even more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am from the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. With respect to observing the law, I am a Pharisee. With respect to the devotion to the faith, I have harassed the church. With respect to righteousness under the law, I am blameless. These things were my assets, but I wrote them off as a loss for the sake of Christ. But even beyond that, I consider everything a loss in comparison with the superior value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have lost everything for him. But what I lost, I think of a sewer trash, so that I might gain Christ and be found in him. In Christ, I have righteousness that is not my own or does not come from the law, but rather from the faithfulness of Christ. It is the righteousness of God that is based on faith. The righteousness that I have come to know to know in Christ the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, it includes being conformed to his death, so that I may perhaps reach the goal of resurrection of the dead. It's not that I've already reached this goal or have already been perfected, but I pursue it so that I may grab a hold of it because Christ grabbed a hold of me for just this purpose. Brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me, and I reach out for the things ahead of me. The goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. So all of us who are spiritually mature should think this way. Even if anyone thinks differently, God will reveal, him, reveal to him or her. Only let's live in a way that is consistent with whatever level we have reached. This is the scripture of faith for the people of faith. Thanks be to God. Amen. Like I said, sometimes Paul can be a little bit too much. Here he's telling the church of Philippi, who would have known him. I mean, he helps establish this church. And I'm not going to I really have this image of Paul that like, 
This isn't the first time he said this to this community, that I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm from the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. And with respect to the law, I'm a Pharisee. And, and I'm sure that there were times where he even left out that harassing of the church part because he's blameless under the law. I'm sure because, you know, that's how we are as humans. <laughs> but I think what separates Paul from a lot of people is that he was willing to put that all behind him. He wasn't defined by that. He didn't see him as defined by that. He saw himself as living to make the kingdom of heaven here and now every day that he saw he was given because every day is a gift. He was willing to do the best he could in that moment for Jesus because Jesus literally had grabbed him. If you know Paul's story, he uh, received God's call to, to, to change his life, and, and he did. He went from being Saul to Paul, and, and it like literally went from being a pro, uh, persecutor of the church to being someone who fell in love because Jesus met him where he was at. Now, could you imagine if Paul had the audacity or the um, arrogance to say when God met him on that road, I'm good, God. Remember, I'm, I'm the best one. Because that's, that's, that's kind of how, in, at least the way I view Paul, that's kind of how he was before he met Jesus. I'm the best. I know all the law. I do all the good things. I am the best Jew. And I'm going to go after that little Jesus movement thing. But that's what the cool thing about Jesus is, is that it changes us. The moment we allow Jesus to grab us, it changes us. And our focus becomes less upon us and and our accolades and more on helping build the kingdom here and now. And not worrying about the latter goal of being in heaven. And And I say that because I think that sometimes we get so caught up on what the end goal is, what the reward is, that we forget that we have this job right here and right now to bring the kingdom of God right here and right now. I think far too often we get held back by those things of our past. You know, one of the things that kills the church, it's, we've always done it this way. Paul is saying here, we've always done it this way, but we're not going to do it that way anymore. We're going to move forward. We're going to do things better. We're going to, we're going to try to, to do new things because, you know, one of the things I always find interesting and, and understand, I've been in six churches over my ministry career. And, and one of the interesting things I always find in that is that we try to do the same thing, expecting different results time and time again. But if you look at the definition of insanity, that's the definition of insanity. So why are our churches struggling? Why are our churches struggling to grow? Because we refuse to change. We refuse to let go uh, of what we once had. And, and we remember those accolades, but we forget to be led by the Holy Spirit to move forward. We're stuck. Yeah, the things we did in the past are amazing. They're great to remember. But we're not defined by them. We're not held by them. If anything, we should just put them aside and say, that's nice. But here we have people that don't know God's love. Here we have people that, that don't understand what it means to follow Jesus. Here we have people around us and in front of us that, that need to experience that. And how can we bring be kingdom builders here and now? 
I love how Paul recognizes this, that, that really, like, all that stuff he's going to set aside because the goal he pursues is the prize, that, that upward call in Christ Jesus. Paul wasn't seeking to have his name on a plaque at the Church of Philippi. What Paul was seeking was to, to make the world a better place through Christ Jesus, to experience the joy. I think far too often we forget that we can have fun in church. I, I, I've seen it. Worship should be an experience of joy. And, and I think sometimes we, we, we come here and we're just like we're locked in and we're ready to go and don't break my bubble. But what if we let go? What if we came and experienced one another? What if we got to know the other side of the aisle and the other side of the aisle got to know us? And, and what if one Sunday you all decide to shift in different places? I, I'm not going to lie. The difference between the traditional service and the modern service, the traditional service, you all sit pretty much in the same space. Where the modern service, we're going to sit one Sunday to the next, which I have to admit, as a preacher, that, that's hard to wrestle with. So mess with my mind a little bit occasionally. Let's have some fun. I think, I think far too often we, we take ourselves too seriously and we forget that, that as a community we should be having fun making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Theologian and um, spiritual leader Dallas Willard is sometimes quoted with this. The gospel is less about how to get into the kingdom of heaven after you die and more about how to live in the kingdom of heaven before you die. It's not about the end goal. You'll get there someday. But it's about what you do between your birth and your death. That's what matters. That's what God is challenging us to. That's what God is calling us to for transformation. And, and understand that we are called to be continually being transformed. We shouldn't be holding on to our third grade faith. We should be moving on to a deeper connection with God, a deeper relationship with God. And that's going to push us and strain us. But yet you're also going to find joy in that. I know I have. Those times I've stepped out on faith and, and have done or said something that I didn't mean to say or mean to do, and yet it was the Holy Spirit leading me and guiding me. But we have to let ourselves be led by the Spirit. And when we do that, it changes us, it shapes us. If we lean in and learn from Jesus, and we, we, it pushes us to grow in our faith, but we have to be guided by those steps. We have to grow in community. Willard also goes on to say is, as Jesus' disciples, I'm learning from Jesus how to lead my life as Jesus would lead my life if he were here. I consciously choose to aim this, to, le to learn this, and I'm consistently arranging and rearranging my fear affairs to realize this goal. What he means by this is that he's willing to change his life to follow Jesus. Even if that means he's willing to go places where he never thought possible. And even if it means not settling for mediocrity and being complacent. I'm not going to lie, I, I've enjoyed listening to the saga of Deion Sanders this year. I say it's a saga because we know it's going to be a book and a movie uh, later on. 
But one of the things I found interesting about Dion is this week is that on Sunday I was reading an article uh, as I was scrolling through Facebook and saw this article that Dion is not uh, accepting this mediocrity that they have right now. They're four and two. I mean, compared to last year, that's amazing. That's a huge leap, isn't it? But Dion's not satisfied. He's not satisfied because he sees the potential. He sees the hope. He sees that if his players would just buy in and do the right things and do what they're assigned, they can be even better. They could win that Pac-12 championship. They could even maybe slip into the playoffs. Remember, TCU last year kind of just slipped into the playoffs and found themselves in the national championship game. They too could find themselves in that position if they don't sell for mediocrity. They could become complacent. They could get their six wins and say, hey, we went from, you know, one and 11 to six and six this year in a bowl game. Not Dion. Dion is a great example for us to think about our faith. Could you imagine if we had faith like Dion has zeal for his team? We wouldn't be complacent. We wouldn't be satisfied. We'd be willing to do all we can to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world right now. So how do we do that? You be you. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and lead you and guide you. Allow uh, yourself to be stretched. Allow yourself to say, I want to to grow and, and allow yourselves to be open to where God may be leading you. And so what does that look like? It's different for each person. But if we let go and we allow ourselves to follow Jesus, you'll be right where God needs you to be. And sometimes you may not even be aware of that. Sometimes you never know how your loving smile or your simple hug or your phone call to say, hey, how are you doing? May make an impact on someone. And so I challenge you this week to let go of yourself, allow your steps to be guided by the Holy Spirit, and see where that takes you. Let us pray.